0: Here we are again with The Poet Speaks. Uh, The first quotation comes from Joseph Campbell. Actually, these first two will sort of be linked together to my common theme of how exactly Homer takes out the garbage. Uh, These are wonderful quotes from uh, from Joseph Campbell and W.S. Merwin uh, reflecting on their youth. The first one here from Campbell. And this is about his decision to give up a formal education, and instead to live on as little as possible and to educate himself. And he says, My decision to follow this course came one day in Paris, while I was sitting in the little garden of Cluny, where the Boulevard Saint-Michel and Saint-Germain come together. It suddenly struck me. What in heaven's name am I doing? I don't even know how to eat a decent, nourishing meal. And here I am learning what happened to vulgar Latin when it passed into Portuguese and Spanish and French. And uh, for those who don't know Campbell's biography, uh, there's a wonderful uh, book about him by Stephen and Robin Larson where they go into uh, his college years pretty well. And this is at a point where I believe, uh, Campbell finishes his master's degree and then, uh, comes back to America and decides not to pursue a PhD. What he does do, and I think it's sort of a, uh, halfway between a legend and, uh, or apocryphal and what actually happened was that he was able to spend the equivalent of the years of the Great Depression living in Woodstock, New York, basically, uh, on as little as possible um, and just read, read, read. And what he ended up doing after that was getting a job at Sarah Lawrence College, which is where he was for uh, many decades. And it wasn't really until the end of of that time uh, that uh, Bill Moyers got a hold of him and they did The Power of Myth together. Well, I'll just read uh, W.S. Merwin's before I comment on both. Uh, This is what W.S. Merwin says. But if someone were to say to me, what would you think of as a good way to live? I wouldn't have any answer at all. I thought I really should find the answer to that. I had this place to live in France, a little farm, and I thought... I'm going to go there. I realized I didn't know how to grow even one lettuce plant. I'd eaten food all my life, and I wouldn't be able to recognize it as it grew. It was about time I learned something as simple and obvious as that. So I went there and spent several years just trying to grow the things that I ate, and to make sense of things of the kind. A lot of my book, The Lice came during the time that I was trying to work that out. I still haven't found any eternal answers. What is happening in the world is terrible and irreversible, and that history is probably a doomed enterprise. But in the meantime, it's important to live in the world as completely as we can. Now, I can't remember when W.S. Merwin was interviewed and when he, so what, what part of history of the last 50 or 60 or 70 years he thought uh, was terrible and irreversible, and I guess that's also the point, um, both uh, in the idea that whatever he was talking about uh, actually has not destroyed the world. Or that you can think that uh, every moment, uh, every day, something in the news brings something about that seems terrible and irreversible, and how are we going to deal with that? Um, When I first posted these online a long time ago, these two quotations, uh, I was uh, sort of the cheerleader for them. Look at these young intellectual types, suddenly realizing that they don't know how to make Uh, a good meal for themselves. They don't know how to grow food for themselves. And they're getting away from academia, or they're um, getting away from merely being intellectuals or poets or writers or readers. But then you realize what Campbell did. He basically hid out in a cabin and continued to do what he was doing. He just wasn't getting a Ph.D. for it. Uh, He was, as he would later coin the phrase following his bliss, but um, I'm not sure that uh, uh, He got around to learning how to make himself a decent meal. Maybe he did Um, In any case the the idea of Leaving academia just so he could learn how to make himself a decent meal um, He just ended up teaching anyway Uh, the point of it seems to have been not learning how to make myself a decent meal, or learning how to do uh, mundane or, uh, or just merely nourishing things. The point seemed to be to find what he should be doing himself, um, which really doesn't have much to do uh, with cooking. Uh, it does have something to do with realizing that uh, for him... Learning what happened to vulgar Latin when it passed into Portuguese and Spanish and French was simply not what he should be doing with his life. There were people who continued to study that exact process, and that is what they want to be doing with their lives. And it's sort of important to realize that uh, both uh, both trajectories, so long as they are the ones that the people want to be doing themselves, those are the ones that they should be doing. Um, It isn't, as I saw it a few years ago, uh, sort of a a rah-rah, I'm getting out of school and going to do my own thing. Um, And I guess I would say the same thing about uh, W.S. Merwin as well, even though he does seem to have... Uh, gotten his plot of land and learned how to grow the things that he ate uh, he still says um, he starts off by saying "What, uh, what do you think of as a good way to live and at the end even though he did part of what he wanted to he still says I haven't found any eternal answers and I don't really know that there are any eternal answers I don't know that it's really worthwhile anymore to say that whatever the present moment is, is terrible and irreversible and that history is probably a doomed enterprise I had a fun time a while back collecting quotations from people who are basically saying uh, the world is doomed look at, look at how uh, squalid and uh, superficial these people are and there was a nice moment with two quotations that if you sort of Uh, fudged a few of the details a bit, it would be hard to realize that one of them came from the 6th century and the other one came from 1928 or so. This is just what people have always thought. And it's almost um, uh, an absurd exercise to even let your mind rest on a thought like that for very long. And it's even more... um, instructive, I think, that W.S. Merwin says what he does. Uh, What is a good way to live? I'm not sure I will do this thing, this one thing for myself, to try and figure it out. I don't have the answers. I think what's happening in the world is terrible and irreversible. I think that history is probably a doomed enterprise. But in the meantime, it's important to live in the world as completely as we can. I think that is an immensely powerful lesson for a poet or a creative person or someone who thinks of themselves as an intellectual. It's an amazingly powerful thing to, uh, to hear. Uh, one always comes back to the line from, from Yeats where he has to say that perfection in the life means that perfection in the work will never happen. Or that if you have perfection in the work, that means that your life will be uh, chaos and uh, and will be uh, a failure. And just looking around, not just at poets, but at entrepreneurs or just at neighbors who are out cutting their grass and knowing... Um, even the tiniest bit about them, I really don't know that perfection of either is possible. There's always been... Um, I guess... I mean, for me, it's the last 20 years or so, but I'm sure it's just been part and parcel with the whole idea of uh, the self-help industry, that that one should find balance in one's life, that... Uh, if you want uh, to quiet your anxieties or if you want to worry less or if you don't want to be worrying about money so much or if you don't want to be worrying about your reputation or your position or a title or what your family thinks of you, all these things what you need to do is uh, find balance Uh, the way to wholeness is to find balance and I guess part of this comes from whatever whatever uh, drips and drops of uh, Buddhism, I guess, uh, that one might get, or uh, Hinduism or Taoism or something like that, that one should have balance in their life. Um, but I'm not really sure that that is the answer either. I struggle with this as someone who wants to write poetry about people who are living conflicted and tense and uh, uh, desperate kind of lives. Um, I don't mean hugely dramatic, uh, tense and desperate kinds of lives. Um, It could just be about someone who can't pay the bills. I remember a, a miraculous short story by William Trevor. I can't remember the name of the title right now, but it was simply about um, how an old couple in Ireland had uh, hired a man to paint their house and the guy came over and eventually painted the house but uh, but it, somehow it was shortly after the house painting was done the husband died um, and as far as the wife knew, the house painter had been paid for his work but the house painter kept saying, you know um, I didn't tell you this after your husband died, I didn't want to be rude about it, but enough time has passed, uh, he never paid me, I sort of need that money. And the entire story was this this tension between these two people, and this, uh, this poor laborer who needed the money, apparently, and this poor old woman who also needed the money. Sometimes that is as much drama as you need. Um... Who was unsure did her husband pay the money or is this guy uh, trying to cheat me out of money that I desperately need um, as someone who is trying to tell stories like that and who wants to stay in touch not only with my own conflicts and my own inner turmoils um, I worry about finding balance I worry about being completely at peace I worry about what I would find there and not only what I would write but what I would do with myself if uh, I came to that point Would I still care about other people I don't know um, there's something that Hemingway said uh, something like uh, as a as a man as a human being you are correct in judging people but as a writer, you are not. If you're going to write about them, the judgmental part of your brain uh, has to be turned off. You need to just tell the story. And I think it's more important uh, for many of us if we stayed on that wavelength, as it were. Um, I don't know what the point of searching for perfection Or balance in one's life really is Um, unless you're going to become a monk unless you are someone who can literally divide up their day uh, into a set schedule that is never deviated from there's no sudden surprises Uh, you don't have a kid who's uh, doing this or that uh, on a Friday but not on a Wednesday Um, you don't have a job that takes you this to this place or that place. You don't have friends that suddenly call up out of the blue. There's nothing spontaneous going on, um, except what's going on in your own head, I suppose. Uh, Outside of that kind of life, it seems that the point of things, the point of being creative, uh, or of being a parent, or of having a day job, um, isn't to come to peace with conflict, To the point where you think that you might be able to eradicate conflict or doubt or sadness or suffering or anything of the kind. The point, and this is really the point I've always found in religion, um, the point isn't to eradicate the suffering or the sadness. It is to find a way to live with it decently, if that is indeed possible. Take another sip here. And I never really thought about it, but this third quotation actually uh, actually fits in very well. And it's a short one, so this episode of uh, The Poet Speaks will be rather short. This is from the poet W.D. Snodgrass. And he says, Advice to aspiring poets. If you can, get out. Everything else in the world pays better. Everything else in the world costs less, not only in terms of money, but in terms of damage to your life. (laughs) Not only in terms of money, but in terms of damage to your life. Everything else in the world is more justly rewarded. If you can be happy doing something else, the chances are you will be happier doing something else. Now that's a bit extravagant and exaggerated and hyperbole. Um, and again, I don't think that's necessarily. I don't know what the circumstances were of uh, W. D. Snodgrass's life, but again, I don't think that's a matter of of the poetry. Um, if you come to expect mm-hmm. that uh, poetry will remunerate you uh, the way you think it's necessary. Then when it doesn't of course you're going to be upset that's one of the huge things that i found in myself in the episodes on uh, 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 jealousy and uh, stubbornness i go through all of that it's kind of shameful for me to admit that but it's true i thought for so long that um, not that i would become rich and famous uh, but just Mm -hmm. that there would be uh, that my poetry would uh, just pay the minimal bills that's all and of course that has not happened. Um, I don't think it's about how disappointing it is to be a poet. I think it's more about not being able to square the circle of being a poet in a world where poetry just doesn't matter anymore or speak to people. I think that's the grave disappointment really that nobody is running around asking W.D. Snodgrass his opinion on the state of the world. Um, And I don't know of, uh, I can't think of any poet uh, that I'm in contact with right now who would read a thing like that and be like, all right, I'm out. Um, So I don't really know who he is talking to here. I assume this is from his Paris Review interview. Um... It's one of those things that you throw out uh, that's fairly negative, but I don't know that it says anything surprising. Um, it's what you would expect a poet to say or an artist to say. Um, and the operative phrase, of course, is if you can be happy doing something else. Well, I don't know that I could be happy doing something else. Um and I don't know that I'm happy being a poet all the time. Uh, this is just what I know how to do. And... Um, anyway, I found, I found that interesting. W.D. Snodgrass saying that. Maybe I can throw one more in here on the end. From uh, Beethoven. Let's see. Uh, Beethoven says Everything I do apart from music Is badly done and stupid The true artist has no pride He has a vague awareness of how far he is From reaching his goal And while others may perhaps admire him He laments the fact that he has not yet reached the point whither his better genius only lights the way For him like a distant sun And he says, From my earliest childhood, my zeal to serve our poor, suffering humanity in any way whatsoever, by means of my art, has made no compromise with any lower motive. The only reward I have asked for was the feeling of inward happiness, which always attends such actions. I think those are three separate quotations. I'm not sure where they come from in his life. Um... that's nice too everything I do apart from music is badly done and stupid Uh, there is someone who is not who gave up a long long time ago uh, looking for balance in his creative life Um, and if uh, you know anything about his biography he had his ups and downs financially for sure Um, I think there was one story of him just a visitor coming over and and they find uh, one piano up on the legs another on the floor with no legs on uh, a lot of music sheets strewn around the room and and a uh, a pan for the bathroom somewhere nearby and that's basically what he was doing Um, that is an idea of how homer takes out the garbage sometimes he just doesn't and he keeps the door closed Um, the true artist has no pride Uh, That's another way of saying, I think, uh, the true artist also has no shame. I heard uh, uh, Robert Plant, I believe, saying uh, in an interview that uh, if you're going to be in the music business, and if you're just going to keep recording songs for decades and decades, you really can't have any shame. The best you can do is the best you can do in the moment. And I think the same thing of Thomas Hardy. I just read him talking about how he selected the poems that he wanted to uh, be published. And he basically comes around to saying, uh, the poems that I really like are the ones, the poems of mine that I really like, that I'm proud of, are the ones that never get anthologized or mentioned. The ones that I'm unsure about or that I actively dislike are the ones that people mention and get into the anthology. So what I basically do now is publish all of the poems, and I will let uh, time and history sort them out. Um, And I suppose uh, if I have an issue with pride or with shame, it's because uh, very few people do notice what I'm doing so that there's no reaction at all, so that what I'm actually falling back on is uh, being paranoid about what I've done, um, rather than moving on to the next thing. Um, if I had the weight of other people's reactions to it, I probably would care less. It's, it's an odd way to think, but that's that's a good lesson too. No pride and no shame. And from my earliest childhood, Beethoven says, what he wants to do, my zeal to serve our poor, suffering humanity in any way whatsoever, by means of my art. Or as W.S. Merwin put it, it's important to live in the world as completely as we can. And sometimes, for someone like Beethoven, for someone like W.S. Merwin, for someone like W.D. Snodgrass or Joseph Campbell or... Uh, anyone else you can think of sometimes serving our poor suffering humanity in any way we can is only through our art sometimes that is the way to go sometimes that's the most that our minds and our souls and our bodies uh, can put up with and that's also worth remembering these days uh, when it is now at least on uh at least on Twitter where everyone is yelling uh, where it is assumed that the only people that matter and the only actions that matter are the overtly political ones or the uh, overtly protesting ones no matter what side you're on Uh, the only ones that matter are the loud ones um, who are trying to change the world immediately right now as it is Um, it's worth thinking that Uh, well two things actually and I'll end with this it's worth thinking that sometimes what we need uh, when we're done talking to the masses and when we're done worrying about how ugly as W.S. Merwin says how ugly and irretrievable and horrible history and the present can appear it's sometimes worth remembering though that What we need is uh, uh, a moment with our version of Beethoven, our private moment. Um, I don't think it's a matter of privilege to say that. I think quiet can be found anywhere. Uh, A decent quiet moment with a word or a picture or a piece of music or just a loved one um, can be found wherever we are. And I think it's worth finding it. Um, and the other thing, too, is that uh, for years now, ever, ever, since, um, ever since my senior year in high school, when I was shown a documentary about T.S. Eliot by my teacher, and the very end of it showed a string quartet playing Beethoven's uh, Opus 132, I believe, uh, string quartet. String Quartet Number 15. Uh, The long, 20-minute slow movement from that string quartet. Ever since that moment, I've been transfixed by that piece of music. Um, If there's any piece of music that sounds like an entire life, uh, all the ups and downs and the bittersweetness of it, the regret and beauty and happiness and joy of of all things, it is that piece of music. And... And I'll never forget uh, actually the exact date was the first debate in 2008 between Joe Biden and Sarah Palin uh, probably something I would have watched and wasted wasted two hours of my life on but instead my wife and I were living in Brooklyn and we left work that day and we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to one of the uh, small chamber music halls off of the Egyptian wing and we watched uh, a string quartet uh, play that piece by Beethoven and I'll never forget it in all my life but at the same time it occurred to me not too long ago probably around the same time that I heard it live that nearly everyone who has ever existed since Beethoven I think wrote the piece around 1820, 1825 or so nearly everyone who has ever existed got by just fine without that piece of music by Beethoven and uh, and that's okay they don't need it, some people need other things I'm one of the people (laughs) I'm one of the people who needs Beethoven's 20 minute Uh, slow movement string quartet. That's the thing that will define me whenever I head on out of this world. Um, That's the piece of music I would want in my head. But it is so worth realizing that it isn't a piece of dogma. It isn't a rule. It uh, It isn't beautiful or eternal or Powerful or meaningful to me because I want to make sure that everyone else hears it. It is worth it. Uh, it is worth it because it is private. And privacy is something we might edge back to these days. And here I am. I've gone to a half hour anyway. So happy Saturday night to all.